podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. given a chance to rewrite the story of our lives when a major life event throws us off course. It is a gift. Unwrap it. Use it to build a brilliant new life from the crucible of loss. Loss is not the end, but an invitation to change, writes Linda Bouchard. This episode is about forgiveness, acceptance, positive change after loss, creativity, inner strength, resilience, and my guest is Linda Bouchard. As a flight attendant for a major airline, she thought she could handle anything. After all, Linda was trained for emergencies and the unexpected. But then her husband became sick. She left her career to care for him. Then he passed away. This was a foreign land that Linda never wanted to explore. The future they planned was gone. Who was Linda now without him? She had to give up the life she had planned to make room for the life that awaited her. Linda Bouchard is the founder of Booking Authors, Inc., I-N-K, a boutique marketing firm dedicated to authors. She's also the author of the children's Halloween book, The Witches 3, No Sleep for Me. Linda holds a master's degree in public relations from Boston University and did postgraduate work in literature at Oxford University in England. She volunteers for literacy councils in North and South Carolina and supports her local chapter of Donate Life helping create awareness for the importance of organ donation. To read Linda's full biography, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Here is the interview with Linda Bouchard. In your own words, who is Linda Bouchard? Well, uh, Linda is curious, creative, a resilient overcomer, I've always seen my life through the prism of story. So where one story ends, another begins. I'm a child of books, 
a grateful child of God, and I'm optimistic enough to believe in happy endings. And all of that dovetails, Valeria, with my professional identity as well, where I'm a collaborator uh, with notable authors, and I help them craft and tell their stories through unique marketing campaigns. Mm, that sounds great. Um, I have a question for you, the follow-up question to um, a comment you made about God, but that will come in a minute. So before we talk about loss, change, and the power of reinvention, I have a few general well-being questions that I call them uh, warm-up questions, as I mentioned before recording. What motivates you to be a good person, to do good in the world? Mm. Well, I think that comes from an, a sense of um, giving back. Um, so many people have contributed to my success, and of course, it's all collaborative in life, and um, that I have a sense of a, a spiritual center. So I like to give back to the world and it just kind of compounds itself and is like a snowball <laughs> running downhill. The goodness just keeps flowing. Um, so, you know, I was, I was brought up in a uh, Christian home and uh, where we always gave back and volunteered in our community. So that continues to this day. Since you mentioned spirituality and religion, what is the difference between being spiritual and being a religious person? Right. Well, I, in my opinion, being religious is um, more of a dogma, but being spiritual is a personal relationship. For me, it's with uh, God. And for other people, it may be something different. But religion is more of a box. And spirituality is really outside of that box and how we uh, relate to our higher power. Hmm. So let me ask you a more specific question. Who and where is God? Mm. Well, to me, God is everywhere, and He's inside of me. The Spirit of God is inside of me, informs me uh, and every day, and um, God is everywhere. Uh, he is omnipresent, omniscient, uh, just everywhere. So, um, God, God is everything. Yeah, we're all searchers in life, and we all... Uh, seek after something higher than ourselves. It's why we all feel so unfulfilled and have this gap in, in our lives and in our hearts. It's because we're seeking to fill that spiritually. And for me, uh, God does that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the world's greatest need? Hmm. Well, for more humor in life, certainly. <laughs> And more kindness, just more kindness, gosh darn it, um, especially in this, um, you know, kind of fractured uh, political environment that we're living through right now. I'm not a political animal by any means, but um, it's rather divided us as a country. And so, you know, let's have a little bit more understanding and kindness. Mm, yeah, uh, kindness. Is kindness a byproduct of love? 
It is, and it can also spark love. It's not like one comes before the other or vice versa. Um, I think we can have kindness without love, but I don't think we can have love without kindness. Oh, wow. What is love to you? Love is being selfless and thinking of the other person. Love is a verb. It's what we do. It's how we act in life. It's how we present ourselves to the world. It is a verb. It should be an action. Mm, An action, right? Being kind, it's a way of showing love. Yes, certainly it is. Certainly it is. Right. I connect love to gratitude and acceptance a lot. Yes, that is well, certainly. Absolutely. All these positive qualities, right, that we can manifest in the world, right? Yes, and and I think we have to be uh, conscious about it. Uh, We have to be more um, aware of it or the lack of it and just have a little bit more consciousness about it. Yeah, yeah, we live better lives when we love or act in a way that it's positive. Makes sense, right? In so many ways. Oh yeah. It always enhances lives. <laughs> not just not just our own. Yes. Right. Uh so my last warm-up question is what do you think is your purpose and meaning in this lifetime? Well, I believe that Wow, that's a good one. (laughs) Um, I believe that, well, I'm first of all a very um, creative person, a creative thinker, and um, I think my purpose is to uh, help others uh, create as well. Um, I'm a writer and I'm a marketer, and I work with authors every single day, so my creativity is kind of off the charts, and I'm always thinking differently, but um, I think maybe more specifically, it's to help others use my talents to help others realize their potential. And um, we it's always, um, you know, a give and take in that regard. So we're always helping each other creatively. But mine is just to get more creative out and make people think differently about their lives, about their work, um, not not to be ordinary, because ordinary is so boring. <laughs> <laughs> mm, in a way, that's true. Um, now let's get to the topic of loss, change, and the power of reinvention. So my first question is, what is your personal experience with loss? Yes, well, I came very up close and personal with loss uh, about 10 years ago. I was a flight attendant for a major airline and I was married to the love of my life. His name was Yates. And one day he became severely ill and had a high fever. So I rushed him to the hospital where after many days and tests, he was diagnosed with liver cancer. And he was just 58 years old. And it was progressed enough that a transplant was needed. And it was a real roller coaster of emotions for several years uh, following that as we navigated the system and waited for a donor organ, which never came. So my 
life changed forever when I lost Yates. Um, we had future expectations and a shared past, and my grief was intense. Uh, quite honestly, I was probably as crazy as one can be and still be at large. <laughs> uh, and I believe it was Hem Hemingway who wrote, the world breaks everyone, and afterward, we become strong at the broken places. So I found that to be true, but I had to give up the life I planned to make room for the life that awaited me. And the challenge is how you deal with the unexpected. Um, because when you're married to someone and you're cl very you know, close to them, I mean, Yates was the echo to my life. But I believe our life crises are divinely scheduled to get us to change and head in a different direction. Hmm. Wow, that's powerful and so true. What aspects of your loss made you more centered and self-aware? This is a comment that you made, that you are much more centered and self-aware after your loss. Yes. Well, there becomes an urgency to life when you lose someone. Um, it's because it, there's a heightened awareness that time is precious and fleeting. And, uh, you know, the only way out is through. Um, we can't navigate around it. That's the awful feelings that you get with a loss, any loss, whether it be financial or divorce or the loss of a job. Um, it, it's just... You just have to power through it and muscle through it. And we may lose a loved one, but we don't need to lose ourselves. And we may actually find ourselves for the first time. And when I lost my amazing husband, I was faced with a choice. And that's what loss gives to us, Valeria. It gives us a choice and a chance to rewrite the story of our lives. And um, you have a choice to let it defeat you or you can get back into life and really live it with gusto. And by doing so, you honor yourself and you honor your loved one, uh, if it was like in my case. Uh, so um, if I hadn't stepped out of my comfort zone, I never would have known the brilliant future that awaited me. And it is not a straight or easy path by any means, but it's worth every setback you encounter, every unsure moment, every learning curve. And I am more confident as a result because you have overcome something that is at the top of the list as far as life stressors go. And um, not everybody gets through it. There's a real uh, brain-heart link with any kind of stress. It does affect you emotionally as well as, as well as physically. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question about that, the brain, the heart-brain connection, which sounds really interesting to me. I'm wondering, how did you realize you had that choice to recreate and reinvent yourself? 
I'm just, I would like to know more precisely at what point you came to that powerful thought. Well, it wasn't immediate because in the midst of grief, it's just debilitating and it's rather paralyzing uh, for anybody that has been through it uh, can attest. But I've always had great inner and inner compass. Um, and I know myself really well. And um, it's not to say that the grief ever goes away. It just sort of sort of changes shape. And the shape can actually, you know, be a catalyst for something great. And after several months of, um, you know, I went to a group, uh, group uh, grief therapy and so forth, and really worked hard on myself to get out of this because uh, I had to get on with life. So um, it's just a realization that you do have a choice and you can either, as I said, let it defeat you or you can go on and create a wonderful magical ending to your life. And that's where the challenge is. We we have those choices and not everybody makes the same one and it all looks different for everybody. But for me, I thought, okay, what am I going to do? I left my airline career to care for my husband and take care of him. So where, where are my talents? Where do they lie? What do I want to do that can energize me and, and make me want to get out of bed every morning with, uh, with happiness and creativity. So it became sort of my happiness project. I challenged myself to look closely at what I was good at, my talents, where my strengths lay, and um, work on that. Hmm. So would you say that you have been practicing inner strength and having this positive perspective about life in yourself? Would you say that? I have. It, it came and went as I think is a natural. <laughs> uh, um, it comes and goes. We all feel more confident at times than other times. And um, the people in our lives affect that. Um, my parents weren't real nurturing parents. Um, so I was always sort of a loner and out there by myself and figuring it out. So I really thank my parents for that because they gave me, it gave me the strength um, to kind of design my own life. And um, I, I never, you know, listened to other people's negativity. If somebody said I couldn't do it, made me want to do it even more. <laughs> so we all have the power to change the narrative, but being proactive is so necessary. So you have to create that sense of purpose. And um, a loss can impact your identity and how you define yourself in the world um, and explain it. It helps you explain your life story to yourself. Um, but um, you know, that's the challenge that uh, is out there for us. And we have to like, you know, it's all how we deal with that. <laughs> right, right. And I agree. So sometimes it comes from experience. Like you said, you had the, the, the opportunity to recreate, to reinvent and design your own life. And perhaps a lot of people don't have this opportunity 
perhaps they have everything lined up for them, designed by others, and they follow that plan without the opportunity as well to build those right. strengths of being creative within your own life. Oh, right, right. And that, that I call it the inner citadel, <laughs> that, that stronghold, that, that fortress that uh, you have can crumble after a loss. So you have to rebuild that inner citadel and envision. Visualization is so important in this process. You have to envision your future and um, just, you know, see it. Uh, there's this great saying by Sun Tzu who wrote The Art of War. And he said, victorious warriors win first and then go into battle. So our Thoughts precede our actions. So visualization and visualizing your own success is essential. Mm, right. And I agree. Do you suggest that we visualize also unexpected things happening so we can better prepare our minds? Uh, well, unexpected things always happen. And, and I welcome that. I mean, our lives are always about the unexpected really um and i think the, maybe the but maybe the greatest obstacle is our expectancy and our expectations which um which hangs on tomorrow and sort of loses today so our whole future lies in uncertainty so it's very important to live immediately but do plan for the future but um, we can. We always have um, that uncertainty around the edges of our lives. Yeah, and that's like as a fact, something that will happen, a future fact, something will happen. It seems to me I've never been through what you've been through, losing somebody close to me. But this has happened to a lot of people I know, including my husband. And I see how, uh, how profound the experience is, especially if you have never thought about it before. Yes, it's important. It is very important. And I think action is the antidote. Um, I think at the end of your days, you'll be judged by your gallop <laughs> and, not your and not your stumbles. So I think how you end is infinitely more important than how you began. I love the way your mind is, yeah, very positive, but also realistic, grounded in reality. You're not trying to uh, create this whole idea of life as you want it to be. You're aware that life is urgent. It's happening now, and um, this might be it. Uh, right, right. And um, I think you're right, too, and that life is a constant conversation. It's always the back and forth between, um, you know, what I think is me and what I think is not me. And <laughs> it's at the edge between what the world needs of me and what I need of the world. So life is constantly changing and surprising us by its demands and um, it, its needs, but also where it leads me is important and how much it teaches me and especially how much tact and patience 
I can bring to it. Yeah, patience. Um, that's one of the qualities that uh, it's so is underestimated, but it's so useful, isn't it, to be patient. <laughs> a conversation with ourselves, and you wrote this. You said life is a constant conversation with yourself. So my question is, what is your favorite kind of conversation with life? Well, it's always um, one, I like to be challenged. So the people, I always like to hang around people that are smarter than myself. Um, it's like, you know, playing tennis with a better tennis player. It raises your game. And um, it's always surprising me because just when you think you have one thing conquered, um, you know, another challenge comes up, which is kind of cool um, because, you know, it's not boring <laughs> for, for sure. But, you know, to be open to the unknown is, is so important. And, um, you know, to face your fears in this conversation you have with life, with others, with yourself, um, there are so many you know, layers to it and so many dynamics going on. Um, you know, sometimes it takes quiet to to understand it all. So believe me, I don't have it all figured out by any means. <laughs> uh, it's that constant conversation, right? <laughs> but I always ask myself a question, Valeria, and I ask myself, is this going to expand my growth or restrict it um, because with any new growth is a fertile environment um, and making healthy choices you know promotes that yeah this is it kind of um, makes me think about choice choice yeah that is such an interesting subject because um I don't know how, many, how much choice we really have um, in the end. I don't know. Uh, I think we have the choice to be creative over and over and over and over. Like you just mentioned about life is always constantly changing and kind of challenging us. The best place to be is in that creative place. So we are always like trying to uh, reinvent and recreate whatever it is that life throws at us. Well, I think it's, all about choice. I mean, we're making choices every single minute. Um, you know, should I have the ice cream or should I have the broccoli? Should I, <laughs> should I um, you know, live here or move, move to a new place? Um, it's, we're, it's all about choice. And our life is the result of the choices that we make. So we are absolutely in charge of our choices. Um, the circumstances surrounding it, maybe not so much, um, because I just, life th always throws us curveballs. But our choice is absolutely personal. Yeah, um, I guess, isn't it choice is what we perceive as choice is really a tendency, like something that we ha it has been with us since we're children. And we are not aware of it. And we're just kind of driven by these um, forces, energies, beliefs, um, the subconscious mind. 
I noticed that with my own life, I had no choice when I made the bad ones, a lot of them. So that's when I question, yeah, given our construct, our mental construct, because a lot of times we're not aware of them, especially the subconscious. We just are making choices that are already made in a way. Interesting. Right. Well, I, you know, I'm not quite, I'm not a philosopher by any means, nor am I a psychologist. Um, I'm a human being who has, uh, you know, learned through the school of hard knocks. <laughs> so, um, but I think when we're younger, certainly our parents direct our choices. Uh, but if, um, you know, we're raised with values and, um, you know, we take a lot from, we watch our parents and we assume some of their, you know, ways of being in the world. But as we become adults, I think we have a personal responsibility to, you know, to accept the choices that we make, to own it, to correct them, um, redirect. Um, so I think as we become adults, that responsibility for our choices kicks in. Right. Yeah. As we learn. Uh, yeah. Right. Especially through experience by being hurt too many times. Right. right? The suffering. Right. Well, it, the experience is everything. I mean, I see so many parents out there who want to save their children from harm and they don't want them to fail. But I think failure is where the great life lessons are oh my gosh, what would have happened if, um, you know, all these great scientists who made these discoveries for us hadn't failed? A failure gets you closer to the answer and to the brilliant discovery in your own life. So I am a big proponent of failure. <laughs> <laughs> not afraid, right? No, not, no, not of failure. In fact, um, it, I, I see it as a life lesson in disguise. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, I love that. Just not being afraid to try. Yes. It's, right, right. It's just about reframing the narrative in your mind. I love right? that. Yeah, I love that. Let's talk about forgiveness and acceptance. What is to be forgiven and accepted when it comes to losing someone you love, somebody close to you? Well, first of all, forgiveness and acceptance is so important in life. It is it frees you. Um, as you know, if you don't forgive, it's like taking poison and wishing the other person would die. <laughs> but forgiveness and acceptance is, I think, the bedrock of living because we have to do it every single day. So, um, when somebody is, you know, taken from your life uh, and you didn't want them to go, there's so much self-reflection and the what ifs. What if I'd done this? What if I'd asked more questions of the doctors? All these what ifs. And so the first person you have to forgive is yourself and you have to be kind to yourself. And then there's all the ancillary um, fallouts of 
forgiveness from the doctors to your family members who never say the right thing. And I mean, grief is, grief takes up a lot of bandwidth in your brain. <laughs> um, it's, it's just a, you know, a daunting uh, time. So you, there's a lot of forgiveness that has to be done. Uh, and then accepting the loss, which doesn't always come immediately. And, um, you know, they say there's those five or six steps of grief and everything that I think it was Kathleen, uh, what was it? I forget her name, who wrote that book, Kubler-Ross. But it's not linear at all. It's very circuitous and windy and things come back around again and you have to deal with these emotions again. So there's a lot of self-forgiveness, forgiveness of others and acceptance, finally accepting it. And um, it's, I, I always think that these um, challenges strengthen, strengthen us. But as I said, it takes a certain mindset. You really have to, you know, have a shift in thought. So true. I wonder if we can begin practicing now forgiveness and acceptance of ourselves, our past, life itself, rather than waiting for something to happen. Not that we are waiting, but we are just unconsciously, we are, because at some point something will happen. Do you think we can practice these things, like reflect on death a lot more? Right. Well, if we do have to be very aware of it, and because life is so busy and cluttered um, mentally, um, you know, there's so much coming at us. And um, I think one of the greatest stories we tell is a story we tell ourselves. And so there's a lot of self-reflection um, always, not just when you lose someone, but um, I think it was a poet, Wallace Stevens, who wrote, death is the mother of beauty. And let's face it, it's death that gives life meaning because our life has a finite end. It becomes more beautiful. It should anyway. And it gives it so much poignancy and meaning. So we do, we do have to be aware of that. And we're always pushing, you know, in this world today, we're always pushing back death you know we're getting we're getting facelifts we're getting cosmetic treatments we're getting you know look at all the people at the gym or we're always pushing death away but um when you come up and close and personal with it as i did it really is the mother of beauty it it gave my life a lot of meaning more depth with depth right yeah, that's funny what he just said, the facelifts and trying to keep the body young. That means we are pushing away chains too, not just death, right? We're trying to stop time and to stop life for being life, which I don't separate um, who we are from life. When I have conversations with people, relationships of any kind, it's life relating to life, life talking to life. There's no separation, really. Do you have this way of thinking? So it is possible to think this way. And for what I see, you have been thinking this way even before you had the experience of loss. Yes, and I think it's an innate thing. 
I'm not, I think it's a God-given thing. Um, I've always been strong. I've had to be on my own a lot. Um, when you're a flight attendant, it's a really tough job. You're away from family a lot. So you have to be resilient and, um, you know, capable and, and a strong person. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's something innate and um, God-given. So, and, you know, alluding to what you just said, um, it's not that we have a short time to live, but we waste a lot of our time. And I think life is long enough and um, um, given a sufficient amount uh, that we have um, for our achievements, we have to invest well in the time we are given. And a lot of it is wasted. Um, So... I agree. And especially with the idea of achieving something in order to be happy, to feel happy, fulfilled, we're waiting for something to happen. And that's in a way a waste of life, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We're not ill-supplied, but we're just wasteful or we're just wasteful of it. Uh, life is long and beautiful if you know how to use it. Yes. Yeah. And one of the things that I I say a lot these days is that uh, life is a miracle to be alive, to be to have this chance to be in the human body, and question that. Right? Reflect upon what life is. I try to kind of find other ways of perceiving life itself. I can't find it. It's a miracle to be alive. It absolutely is when you think about it, because I think that's just statistics are very um uh, are huge about the fact that you were born um you know that that what happens and um the odds of us being born is it is miraculous and um so we should not waste that miracle yeah it's something that it could have not happened and i'm just wondering then what if i was not this, if, if I was not experiencing this reality. Yeah, th- there's no answer really for that. It's like, no, I have no idea. We wouldn't be having this great conversation, would we? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, enjoying the sun. Yeah, just uh, the being, just being, yeah, just life has so much. And at every moment you can see that. It's interesting when we are aware. I, I'd say even being conscious, because being, I think, aware we already are in a way. The body is doing so much, right? We are not trying to keep the body alive, really. It's doing everything. We are helping it, I guess, consciously by eating healthy, exercising, but we have no idea what's happening internally and how hard the body's working. It, yes, exactly. I, I, I agree. And, you know, that's part of acceptance as well, Valeria. It means letting go. It means taking your hand off the throttle sometimes of your life. And, and um, you know, there's a great line in the Bible in Exodus where Moses is standing at the edge of the Red Sea and having to accept and trust that that sea will part before him. And God says, you need only be still and I will fight for you. And I think that is such a beautiful statement and an encapsulation of, you know, just be still and know that it will be taken care of. You don't need to control, be a control freak all the time. 
Which there's nothing wrong, really, if this is where we are, having this experience of life, of trying to control everything. And I think this is also like what you call God. I call it the absolute, the universe, just doing its thing, just doing whatever it's doing. <laughs> I have learned to accept. Um, it's a practice, of course, because there's a lot of uh, happens around us that the first reaction is to reject when it's uh, perceived as negative. But it's uh, when you, you, I really think about it, it doesn't make any sense to reject anything because everything is life. Everything. Right. And as you were saying that, I had this uh, image um, that we are like a river with a particular abiding character. And we show radically different aspects of ourself according to the territory through which it travels. So, yeah, we're all... It's just a unique... uh a unique form of life, manifestation of life, uh, reacting or acting upon the environment, whatever its reality is at that moment, right? Yeah, I like to think that way. And I say I like to think, but this is the way I have really understood existence. The acceptance is is what I use. That word is just so appropriate. Yeah, everything's life. So why not accept everything? Well, then there's things we can't change. There are absolutely things we can never change. So acceptance is really important. Mm, Yeah, but then we go to the things that change. Like we talked earlier about the fighting uh, against what is changing. Um, like the body is getting old, the hair going gray, and uh, the skin, and we are fighting that too. So we are actually not accepting change, not just what we cannot change, but we are not in acceptance of what has to be the way it is. It's just, it's not that we can't change because as you can see, a lot of people try and they succeed at it. Um, They look much younger, they do so many things. So they're not in acceptance, they're fighting against the natural flow of life. Yeah, exactly. And I think the stronger our realization of reality, it's easier to move from the struggle to a place of grace. It's like pressing, it's kind of like pressing, um, if you play an instrument or a a stringed instrument, um, the harder you press on a string, the less you can feel it. Um, And it's like the louder you play, the less you hear. So the, I think it's, it takes a lot of vulnerability. Um, People see that as weakness, but I see it as a strength. Yes, me too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. And it takes a lot of strength to let go and accept. It takes a lot of strength. Right, right. And not just the things we cannot change, but everything. I include everything. Everything. Even the good things. Because now we're talking about acceptance of things when life doesn't go our way. And then now we must accept in order to be at peace, in order to be fine. I accept the change even of something good. Like I don't see anything as permanent. Everything... Everything that's wonderful right now could become a loss. I could lose this. So, Oh, life is all about loss. Life is a continual experience of losing things. Um, 
losing time. Uh, time is the only thing we cannot recycle. It is so precious. So time, loved ones, um, our car keys. <laughs> We're always losing things. <laughs> so going back to the topic of grief, you said grief is a highly personal experience. How do you define grief? And is grief and pain the same? And then if it is the same, what is the difference between grief, pain, and suffering? Well, grief is both universal and highly personal all at once. We all experience grief at some point in our lives, but the way in which we experience grief is highly personal because we all have our own individual relationship to it. Um, but I see um, grief uh, as a wall between two gardens. Um, it separates, it's your your former life, the life you planned is on one side of the wall, and then your future is on the other side. And grief is that wall that you're trying to scale. And the tricky part is scaling that wall, that fear of uncertainty and getting over it so you can embrace the future. And then the world becomes eternally divided into a before and after. So, um, you know, the, the grief involves pain, but pain doesn't always involve grief. But grief is very painful. It's, it's visceral. And an example of that uh, is just recently, in, in recently, two thing, two, uh, you know, people that were in, in the news, um, George Bush died within months of his wife, Barbara, passing away. And then I'm sure you remember Debbie Reynolds dying just one day after her daughter, Carrie Fisher, died. And so it shows you that there is a mind-body connection. Um, it's sometimes called the broken heart syndrome. Um, but after, shortly after my husband died um, and I had left the airline industry, I took a position where I worked for a probate attorney. And I saw, I worked on a lot of wills, uh, drafting wills, and something that struck me, I mean, like a lightning bolt, was how many couples died. I was doing their estates for them and, you know, uh, for their survivors. And how many couples died within months or days of each other? So it's emotional and mental. And it's, they say that, um, I'm not sure you know, I'm not a scientist for, for sure, but they say that people develop health problems following the death of a loved one in that grief process. So it can wreak havoc with our nervous system and, you know, blood pressure, heart rate, all that. So, and people have died from it. Like Debbie Reynolds, I, I, that was just a striking example that um that is so amazing yeah as a fact that also confirms how connected we are and how deeply connected we can become yes but i also believe and this isn't 
an encouragement, um, and I found this to be especially true, is that your loved one never really leaves you. They leave you, I call them gifts in the leaving. In that, you know, I still, my husband still informs me. <laughs> I hear his voice in my head. He is with me, sometimes more present uh, now in some, you know, ways than than ever, because I think about honoring him going forward in the world and how I conduct myself. And I think, okay, what would he do in this situation? And I have his humor and his kindness and all that still informs me. So they're still present just in another um, way, really. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I'll be asking you that question later about um, different realms of existence and um, reincarnation, rebirth. But that'll be like later in a, in a few minutes. Yeah, but the way you talk, it's almost like as if in this interview, I'm talking to, to him, to you and him at the same time. That's what you're making me think. Well, uh, that is a great compliment. Um, and I thank you for that. Because um, I see. Yeah, that's wonderful. Really wonderful to hear. Mm. Yes. And uh, if I could, um, I think there's a poem by Ellen Bass that it's a brief poem, and I'd like to read it if I may. And it, it, it encapsulates so perfectly in this poem um, the resilience of loss, and um, it just distills it beautifully. And the title is The Thing Is by Ellen Bass. To love life, to love it, even when you have no stomach for it, and everything you've held dear crumbles like burnt paper in your hands, your throat filled with the silt of it. When grief sits with you, it's tropical heat thickening the air heavy as water, more fit for gills than lungs. When grief weighs you, an obesity of grief, and you think, how can a body withstand this? Then you hold life like a face between your palms, a plain face, no charming smile, no violet eyes. And you say, yes, I will take you. I will love again. And that speaks to the resiliency of the human spirit in the face of loss. And it, it, I think, beautifully illustrates that weight of grief. When it says the obesity of grief, I mean, isn't that beautiful? Yes, yeah. And that kind of, uh, yeah, that makes me think about... That that's what it takes, uh, this kind of uh, wisdom or understanding to, um, to live this uh, human experience in a graceful way, isn't it? Just is the wisdom, is the understanding, really. Um, I think it's not poetry, it's, it's real. Uh, I know poetry is really a lot of times taken lightly, like, because poetry, it's music, and we just enjoy it. Yeah, you know, it's great philosophy and all that, but... Um, it's, uh, it's wisdom. It's wisdom. Oh, absolutely. Stories 
um, can save our lives. Sometimes I think we need a story more than food to mm-hmm. live. <laughs> oh my God, Linda, that is so true. <laughs> that is so true, so true, so true. Um, to me, for sure. Um, so one of my last questions um, within the topic of loss and change and reinvention, I'm still keeping that in mind that um, the way you talk to me in the beautiful way, like my husband is still alive within me and he informs me. Just wonderful. But for a moment, um, I wanted to separate him from you for a reason. And I want to ask you this question. If he was listening to you now, what would you say to him? Oh, wow. I would, I would um, say, hey, look, I did it. <laughs> I, I survived. And I really hope he would be proud of me. And um, I would let him know that he still is with me and that um, that will never change. Would you like to say anything else before I begin asking you my final questions? Um, gosh, I don't think I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wonderful. Um, how do you define success? What is success to you? Success to me is not monetary by any means. Um, success to me is leading a joyful life, doing what I love, um, being surrounded by soulful people who make me think and, and challenge me and get me outside my comfort zone. Success is um, surviving the speed bumps in life. And knowing who I am. What is to be strong? Well, to be strong is, I I assume you're talking about mentally um, strong, is to really have an inner compass and not to let anybody get you off track, to have integrity in life, um, which pulls us in so many directions and gives us so many choices. But our strength is resilience in the face of um, hardships and disappointments in life and to be resilient and come out on the other side a happy person. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? Mm. Well, in relationship to um, the loss of my husband, it was to know that the unexpected can be a gift and that we should unwrap it and see what's inside and not shun it and put it in a corner and be afraid of it and close it up in a closet somewhere, but that we have one life to live And we should live it brilliantly and out loud and with lots of color. (laughs) What is another word for healing? Prayer. If you knew you would lose the body soon, 
Would you make any change or do anything differently from now on? Mm. I probably would start traveling the world immediately. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Good. Um, and, you know, I mean, sure, there's some changes. Um, you know, talking with close friends and family more, all that, urge, like that, that sense of loss creates urgency. So, um, but personally in my, in my life, I, I've got to say that I've, I've really been blessed with some great gifts in life and people. So I wouldn't change any of that. That's wonderful. Would you regret anything if you knew you would die later today? <laughs> I know that's even more urgent, right? <laughs> right, right. Um, probably telling people I loved that I love them more. Um, I don't think we say that enough to people. That's true. Do you believe in life after death? I do. What kind of I, life? I believe in uh, the. I believe in the uh, biblical biblical. Uh, life after death um, that we will live um, forever for believers and um, I don't believe in reincarnation or any of the others uh, but um, life with God and Jesus definitely hmm. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? Hmm well, I know that happiness is a choice, that God exists, and that courage is more important than knowledge. Wow. Thank you so much, Linda, for this conversation. It has been fun, enjoyable, meaningful. Well, I appreciate that, and it has been my pleasure. Thank you for this. Where can we find more information about you, your work, services, and future projects? People can discover more about me at bookingauthorsinc.com. Thank you so much again, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Valeria. My pleasure. Bye for now, Linda. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Linda Bouchard, please visit her website, bookingauthorsinc.com. That is bookingauthorsinc.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.